O friends, I beseech you to look about you and seek in good earnest for the Spirit of Christ, so to help you now to strive and pray and to enable you to lay hold on Christ that your souls may be saved. Lest the time come that though you cry and pray and wish also that you had laid hold on the Lord Jesus, yet you must and shall be damned. Then again you may see that though God be willing to save sinners at some time, yet this time doth not always last. No, he that can find in his heart to turn his back upon Jesus Christ now shall have the back turned upon him hereafter, when he may cry and pray for mercy, and yet go without it. God will have a time to meet with them that now do not seek after him. They shall have a time, yea, time enough hereafter to repent their folly, and to befool themselves for turning their backs upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I will laugh at their calamities, saith he, and mock when their fear cometh. Proverbs 1.26 Again, this should admonish us to take time while it is proffered, lest we repent us of our unbelief and rebellion when we are deprived of it. Ah, friends, time is precious, and hours time to hear a sermon is precious. I have sometimes thought thus with myself, Set the case that the Lord should send two or three of his servants, the ministers of the gospel, to hell among the damned with this commission. Go ye to hell and preach my grace to those that are there. Let your sermon be an hour long and hold forth the merits of my son's birth, righteousness, death, resurrection, ascension, and intercession with all my love in him. And proffer it to them, telling them that now once do I proffer the means of reconciliation to them. They who are now roaring, being past hope, would then leap at the least proffer of mercy. O oh, they that could spend whole days, weeks, nay years, in rejecting the Son of God, would now be glad of one tender of that mercy. Father, saith he, have mercy on me. Again from these words you may observe that mercy would be welcome when souls are under judgment. Now this soul is in the fire, now he is under the wrath of God. Now he is in hell, there to be tormented. Now he is with the devils and damned spirits. Now he feels the vengeance of God. Now, oh now, have mercy upon me. Here you may see that mercy is prized by them that are in hell. They would be glad if they could have it. Father, have mercy on me. For my poor soul's sake, send me a little mercy. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. These words do not only hold forth that the ungodly have a desire of mercy, but what those mercies are, what these poor creatures would be glad of. As one, to have the company of a Lazarus granted to them. Father Abraham, have mercy upon me, and send Lazarus. Now Lazarus was he that was beloved of God, and also he that was hated of them. Therefore, too, observe, that those saints that in their lifetime the sinner could not endure, now they are departed, he would be glad to have society with them. O oh, now send Lazarus, though the time was when I cared not for him, yet now let me have some society with him. Though the world disregard the society of God's children now, yet there is a time coming in which they would be glad to have the least company with them. Nay, do but observe, those of the saints that are now most rejected by them, even from them shall they be glad of comfort if it might be. Then Lazarus, he that I slighted more than my dogs, he that I could not endure should come into my house, but must lie at my gate, send him. 
Now Lazarus shall be welcomed to me. Now I desire some comfort from him. But he shall go without it. From whence again observe that there is a time coming, O ye surly, dogged persecutors of the saints, that they shall slight you as much as ever you slighted them. You have given them many a hard word, told many a lie of them, given them many a blow. And now in your greatest need and extremity they shall not pity you. The righteous shall rather rejoice when he seeth the vengeance of God upon thee. Psalm 108, verse 10 And send Lazarus. From whence observe that any of the saints shall then be owned by you to be saints. Now you look upon them to be of a sect with Hymenius and Philetus, but then you shall see them to be the Lazaruses of God, even God's dear children. Though now the saints of the Lord will not be owned by you, because they are beggarly, poor, low, contemptible among you, yet the day is coming that you shall own them, desire their company, and wish for the least courtesy from them. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Thus shall the souls that abide in their sins cry out in the bitterness of their spirits with wonderful anguish and torment of conscience without intermission, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, that he, namely, the man who before I scorned should eat with the dogs of my flock, that before I slighted and had no regard of, that I shut out of door, send him, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Now these words, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, do hold forth the least friendship or favor, as if he should have said, Now I would be glad of the least mercy, now I would be glad of the least comfort, though it be but one drop of cold water on the tip of his finger. One would have thought that this had been a small request, a small courtesy. One drop of water, what was that? Take a pailful of it, if that will do thee any good. But Mark, he is not permitted to have so much as one drop, not so much as a man may hold on the tip of his finger. This signifies that they that fall short of Christ shall be tormented even as long as eternity lasts, and shall not have so much as the least ease. No, not so long as while a man may turn himself round, not so much as leave to swallow his spittle, not one drop of cold water. Oh, that these things did take place in our hearts! How would it make you to seek after rest for your souls before it be too late, before the sun of the gospel be set upon you? Consider, I say, the misery of the ungodly that they shall be in, and avoid their vices by closing in with the tenders of mercy lest you partake of the same portion with them and cry out in the bitterness of your souls one drop of cold water to cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Indeed, the reason why the poor world do not so earnestly desire mercy is partly because they do not seriously consider the torment that they must certainly fall into if they die up without Christ. For let me tell you, did but poor souls indeed consider that wrath, that doth by right fall to their shares, because of their sins against God, they would make more haste to God through Christ for mercy than they do. Then we should have them say, It is good closing with Christ today, before we fall into such distress. But why is it said, Let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue? 
Because that, as the several members in the body have their share in sin and committing of that, so the several members of the body shall at last be punished for the same. Therefore, when Christ is admonishing his disciples that they should not turn aside from him, and they should rather fear and dread the power of their God than another power, he saith, Fear him therefore that can cast both body and soul into hell. Luke 12:5. And again, Fear him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. Here is not one member only, but all the body, the whole body, of which the hands, feet, eyes, ears, and tongue are members. And I am persuaded that though this may be judged carnal by some now, yet it will appear to be a truth then to the greater misery of those who shall be forced to undergo that which God in his just judgment shall inflict upon them. Oh, then they will cry, One dram of ease for my cursing, swearing, lying, jeering tongue. Some ease for my bragging, braving, flattering, threatening, dissembling tongue. Now men can let their tongues run at random, as we used to say. Now they will be apt to cry, Our tongues are our own. Who shall control them? Psalm 12, verse 4. But then they will be in another mind. Then, oh, that I might have a little ease for my deceitful tongue. We think sometimes to consider how some men do let their tongues run at random. It makes me marvel. Surely they do not think that they shall be made to give an account for their offending with their tongue. Did they but think that they shall be made to give an account to him who was ready to judge the quick and the dead, surely they would be more wary and have more regard unto their tongue. The tongue, saith James, is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It setteth on fire the whole frame of nature, and is set on fire of hell. James 2 The tongue. How much mischief will it stir up in a very little time? How many blows and wounds doth it cause? How many times doth it, as James say, curse man? How oft is the tongue made the conveyor of that hellish poison that is in the heart, both to the dishonor of God, the hurt of its neighbors, and the utter ruin of its own soul? And do you think the Lord will sit still, as I may say, and let thy tongue rung as it lists, and yet never bring you to an account for the same? No, stay, the Lord will not always keep silence, but will reprove thee, and set thy sins in order before thine eyes. O sinner! Yea, and thy tongue, together with the rest of thy members, shall be tormented for sinning. And I say I am very confident that though this be made light of now, Yet the time is coming when many poor souls will rue the day that ever they did speak with a tongue. Oh, will one say that I should so disregard my tongue? Oh, that I, when I said so and so, had before bitten off my tongue, that I had been born without a tongue. My tongue, my tongue, a little water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame, even in that flame which my tongue, together with the rest of my members, by sinning have brought me into. Poor souls will now let their tongues say anything for a little profit, for two pence or three pence gain. But oh, what a grief will this be at that day, when they, together with their tongue, must smart for that which they by their tongues have done while they were in this world. Then you that love your souls, look to your tongues, and let you bind yourselves down so fast to hell with the sins of your tongues, that you will never be able to get loose again to all eternity. For by thy words thou shalt be condemned, if thou have not a care of thy tongue. But I say unto you, 
that for every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Matthew 12, verse 36. Chapter 8, page 47. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Verse 25. These words are the answer to the request of the damned. The verse before, as I told you, is a discovery of the desires they have after they depart this world. Here is the answer. Son, remember. The answer signifies thus much, that instead of having any relief or ease, they are hereby the more tormented, and that by fresh recollections, or by bringing afresh their former ill-spent life while in the world into their remembrance. Son, remember that thou hadst good things in thy lifetime, as much as if he had said, Thou art now sensible what it is to lose thy soul. Thou art now sensible what it is to put off repentance. Thou art now sensible that thou hast befooled thyself, in that thou didst spend that time in seeking after outward, momentary, earthly things, which thou shouldest have spent in seeking to make Jesus Christ sure to thy soul. And now through the anguish of spirit in the pains of hell, thou wouldst enjoy that which in former time thou didst make light of. But alas, thou art here beguiled and altogether disappointed. Thy crying will now avail thee nothing at all. This is not the accepted time. 2 Corinthians 6.2 This is not a time to answer the desires of wretched reprobates. If thou hadst cried out in good earnest while grace was offered, much might have been. But then thou wast careless, and didst turn the forbearance and goodness of God into wantonness. Wast thou not told that those who would not hear the Lord when he did call, should not be heard when they did call? But contrarywise he would laugh at their calamity, and mock when their fear did come. Proverbs 1, verses 24-28 Now therefore, instead of expecting the least drop of mercy and favor, Call into thy mind how thou didst spend those days which God did permit thee to live. I say, remember, that in thy lifetime thou didst behave thyself rebelliously against the Lord, in that thou wert careless of his word and ordinances, yea, and of the welfare of thine own soul also. Therefore now I say, instead of expecting or hoping for any relief, thou must be forced to call to remembrance thy filthy ways, and feed upon them, to thine everlasting astonishment and confusion. From these words, therefore, which say, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, there are these things to be taken notice of. 1. They that, by putting off repentance and living in their sins, lose their souls, shall, instead of having the least measure of comfort when they come into hell, have their ill-spent life always very fresh in their remembrance. While they live here, they can sin and forget it. But when they depart, they shall have it before them. They shall have a remembrance or their memory notably enlightened, and a clearer and a continual sight of all their wicked practices that they wrought and did while they were in the world. Son, remember, saith he. Then you will be made to remember, as if he had said, 1. Remember how thou wert born in sin and brought up in the same. 2. Remember how thou hadst many a time the gospel preached to thee for taking away of the same by him whom the gospel doth hold forth. 3. Remember that out of love to thy sins and lusts 
thou didst turn thy back on the tenders of the same gospel of good tidings and peace. 4. Remember that the reason why thou didst lose thy soul was because thou didst not clothe in with free grace and the tenders of a loving and free-hearted Jesus Christ. 5. Remember how near thou wast to turning at such and such a time, only thou wast willing to give way to thy lusts when they wrought, to drunkards when they called, to pleasures when they proffered themselves, to the cares and encumbrances of the world, which, like so many thorns, did choke that or those convictions that were set on thy heart. 6. Remember how willing thou wast to satisfy thyself with an hypocrite's hope and with a notion of the things of God without the real power and life of the same. 7. Remember how thou, when thou wast admonished to turn, didst put off turning and repenting till another time. 8. Remember how thou didst dissemble at such a time, lie at such a time, cheat thy neighbor at such a time, mock, flout, scoff, taught, Hate, persecute the people of God at such a time, in such a place, among such company. 9. Remember that while others were met together in the fear of the Lord to seek Him, thou wast met with a company of vain companions to sin against Him. While the saints were praying, thou wast cursing. While they were speaking good of the name of God, thou wast speaking evil of the saints of God. O then thou shalt have a scalding hot remembrance of all thy sinful thoughts, words, and actions, from the very first to the last of them that ever thou didst commit in all thy lifetime. Then thou wilt find that scripture to be a truth. Deuteronomy 28, verses 65, 66, and 67. The Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and a failing of eyes, and a sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even! And at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning! For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. Nay, thou shalt find worse things to thy woe than this scripture doth manifest. For indeed there is no tongue able to express the horror, terror, torment, and eternal misery that those poor souls shall undergo without the least mitigation or ease. A very great part of it shall come from that quick, full, and continual remembrance of their sins that they shall have. And therefore there is much weight in these words, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things. From these words you see this to be observed, that the ungodly shall remember, or have in remembrance, the misspending of their lives. Remember that in thy lifetime thou hadst thy good things. You may take these words, good things, either simply for the things of this world, which in themselves are called, and may be called good things, or else with these words, namely the things of this life, all the pleasures, delights, profits, and vanities, which the ignorant people of the world do count their good things, and do very much cheer themselves therewith. Soul, eat, drink, and be merry, for thou hast much good laid up for many years. Luke 12.19 Now I say, God, according to his glorious power and wisdom, will make poor creatures have always in their minds a fresh and clear remembrance of their ill-spent life. He will say unto them, Remember, Remember that in thy lifetime it was thus and thus with thee, 
and in thy lifetime thy carriage was so and so. If sinners might have their choice, they would not have their sins and transgressions so much in the remembrance as is evident by their carriages here in this world, for they will not endure to entertain a serious thought of their filthy life. They put far away the evil day, Amos 6.3, Ezekiel 12.27, and labor by all means to put the thoughts of it out of their mind. But there they shall be made to remember to purpose, and to think continually of their ungodly deeds. And therefore it is said that when our Lord Jesus Christ comes to judge, it will be to convince the ungodly world of their wicked and ungodly deeds. Mark to convince them. Jude 14 and 15 They will not willingly take notice of them now, but then they shall hereafter in spite of their teeth. For those that die out of Christ shall be made to see, acknowledge, and confess their guilt, do what they can when they lift up their eyes in hell and remember their transgressions. God will be a swift witness against them, Malachi 3.5, and will say, Remember what thou didst in thy lifetime, how thou didst live in thy lifetime. Ha, friend, if thou dost not in these days of light remember the days of darkness, Ecclesiastes 11.8, the days of death, hell, and judgment, thou shalt be made in the days of darkness, death, hell, and at the judgment too, to remember the days of the gospel and how thou didst disregard them too to thy own destruction and everlasting misery. This is intimated in the 25th chapter of St. Matthew. Remember that in thy lifetime thou receivest thy good things. The great God, instead of giving the ungodly any ease, will even aggravate their torments, first by slighting their perplexities and by telling them what they must be thinking of. Remember, saith he, O ye lost souls, that you had your joy in your lifetime, your peace in your lifetime, your comforts, delights, ease, health, wealth, your heaven, your happiness, and your portion in your lifetime. O miserable state, thou wilt then be in a sad condition indeed, when thou shalt see that thou hast had thy good things, thy best things, thy pleasant things. For that is clearly signified by these words, Remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things, or all the good things that thou art likely to have. From whence take notice of another truth, though it be a dreadful one, which is this. There are many poor creatures who have had all their good, sweet and comfortable things in this life, or while they are alive in this world. Remember, saith he, that in thy lifetime thou hadst thy good things. The wicked's good things will shortly have an end. They will last no longer with them than this life or their lifetime. Psalm 17, verse 14 That scripture was not written in vain. As the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This also is vanity. Ecclesiastes 7, 6 It is like the crackling of thorns under a pot, makes a little blaze for a sudden, a little heat for a while. But come and consider it by and by, and instead of a comfortable heat, you will find nothing but a few dead ashes, and instead of a flaming fire, nothing but a smell of smoke. There is a time coming that the ungodly would be glad of a better portion, when they shall see the vanity of this, that is, when they shall see what a poor thing it is, for a man to have his portion in this world. It is true, while they are here on this side of hell, 
they think there is nothing to be compared with riches, honors, and pleasures in this world, which makes them cry out, Who will show us any good? Psalm 4, verse 7, that is, any comparable to the pleasures, profits, and glory of this world. But then they will see there is another thing that is better and of more value than ten thousand worlds. And seriously, friends, will it not grieve you, trouble you, perplex and torment you, when you shall see that you lost heaven for a little pleasure and profit in your lifetime? Certainly it will grieve you and perplex you exceedingly to see what a blessed heaven you lost for a dunghill world. Oh, that you did but believe this, that you did but consider this and say within yourselves, What? Shall I be contented with my portion in this world? What? Shall I lose heaven for this world? I say, consider it while you have daylight and gospel light, while the Son of God doth hold out terms of reconciliation to you, lest you be made to hear such a voice as this is. Son, remember that in thy lifetime thou receivest thy good things, thy comforts, thy joys, thy ease, thy peace, and all the heaven that thou art like to have. O poor heaven, O short pleasures, what a pitiful thing it is to be left in such a case. Soul, consider, is it not miserable to lose heaven for twenty, thirty, or forty years sinning against God? When thy life is done, thy heaven is also done. When death comes to separate thy soul and body, in that day also thou must have thy heaven and happiness separated from thee, and thou from that. Consider these things betimes, lest thou have thy portion in thy lifetime. For if in this lifetime only we have our portion, we are of all people the most miserable. 1 Corinthians 15.19 Again consider that when other men, the saints, are to receive their good things, then thou hast had thine. When others are to enter into joy, then thou art to leave and depart from thy joy. When others are to go with God, then thou must go to the devil. O miserable man, thou hadst better never been born than to be an heir of such a portion. Therefore I say, have a care, it be not thy condition. Remember that thou receivest thy good things and Lazarus evil things. These words do not only hold forth the misery of the wicked in this life, but also great consolation to the saints, where he saith, and Lazarus evil things, that is, Lazarus had his evil things in his lifetime, or when he was in the world. From whence observe, 1. That the life of the saints, so long as they are in this world, is attended with many evils or afflictions, which may be discovered to be of divers natures, as saith the scriptures, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Psalm 34, verse 19. 2. Take notice that the afflictions or evils that accompany the saints may continue with them their lifetime, so long as they live in this veil of tears. Yea, and they may be diverse, that is, of several sorts, some outward, some inward, and that as long as they shall continue here below, as hath been the experience of all saints in all ages. And this might be proved at large, but I only hint at these things, though I might enlarge much upon them. 3. The evils that do accompany the saints will continue no longer with them than their lifetime. And here indeed lies the comfort of believers, the Lazaruses, the saints. They must have all their bitter cup wrung out to them in their lifetime. Here must be all their trouble, here must be all their grief. 
Behold, saith Christ, the world shall rejoice, but ye shall lament. But your mourning, mark it, shall be turned into joy. John 16:20. You shall lament, you shall be sorrowful, you shall weep in your lifetime, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy, and your joy no man, let him be what he will, no man shall take away from you. Now if you think when I say the saints have all their evil things in their lifetime, that I mean they have nothing else but trouble in this their lifetime, this is your mistake. For let me tell you that though the saints have all their evil things in their lifetime, yet even in their lifetime they have also joy unspeakable and full of glory, while they look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The joy that the saints have sometimes in their heart by a believing consideration of the good things to come when this life is ended, doth fill them fuller of joy than all the crosses, troubles, temptations, and evils that accompany them in this lifetime can fill them with grief. 2 Corinthians 4 But some saints may say, My troubles are such as are ready to overcome me. Answer, Yet be of good comfort, they shall last no longer than thy lifetime. But my trouble is, I am perplexed with an heart full of corruption and sin, so that I am much hindered in walking with God. Answer, it is likely so, but thou shalt have these troubles no longer than thy lifetime. But I have a cross husband, and that is a great grief to me. Well, but thou shalt be troubled with him no longer than thy lifetime, and therefore be not dismayed, be not discomforted. Thou shalt have no trouble longer than this lifetime. Art thou troubled with cross children, cross relations, cross neighbors? They shall trouble thee no longer than this lifetime. Art thou troubled with a cunning devil, with unbelief? Yea, let it be what it will, if thou be a believer, thou shalt take thy farewell of them all after thy lifetime is ended. O excellent assurance! Then God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor any more pain, for the former things are passed away. But now on the contrary, if thou be not a right and sound believer, then, though thou shouldst live a thousand years in this world, and meet with sore afflictions every day, yet these afflictions, be they ever so great and grievous, are nothing to that torment that will come upon thee, both in soul and body, after this life is ended. I say, be what thou wilt, if thou be found in unbelief, or under the first covenant, thou art sure to smart for it at the time when thou dost depart from this world. But the thing to be lamented is, for all this is so sad a condition to be fallen into, yet poor souls are for the most part senseless of it, yea, so senseless at some time, as though there was no such misery to come hereafter. Because the Lord doth not immediately strike with his sword, but doth bear long with his creatures, waiting that he might be gracious, therefore I say the hearts of the sons of men are wholly set in there to do evil. Ecclesiastes 8.11 and that forbearance and goodness of God that one would think should lead them to repentance are abused to their ruin, the devil hardening them by their continuing in sin and by blinding their eyes as to the end of God's forbearance towards them. Thus they are led away with a very hardened and senseless heart even until they drop into eternal destruction. But poor hearts, they must have a time in which they must be made sensible of their former behaviors when the just judgments of the Lord shall flame about their ears. 
insomuch that they shall be made to cry out again with anguish, I am sorely tormented in this flame. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. As if he should say, Now hath God recompensed both Lazarus and you, according to what you sought after while you were in the world. As for your part, you did neglect the precious mercy and goodness of God. You did turn your back on the Son of God that came into the world to save sinners. You made a mock of preaching the gospel. You were admonished over and over to close in with the loving kindness of the Lord in His Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord let you live twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty years, all which time you, instead of spending it to make your calling and election sure, 2 Peter 1.10, did spend it in making eternal damnation sure to your soul. And also Lazarus, in his lifetime, did make it his business to accept of my grace and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. When thou wast in the alehouse, he frequented the word preached. When thou wert jeering at goodness, he was sighing for the sins of the times. When thou wert swearing, he was praying. In a word, while thou wert making sure of eternal ruin, he, by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, was making sure of eternal salvation. Therefore, now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Here then you may see that, as the righteous shall not be always void of comfort and blessedness, so neither shall the ungodly go always without their punishment. As sure as God is in heaven, it will be thus. They must have their several portions. And therefore you that are the saints of the Lord, follow on, be not dismayed. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord... 1 Corinthians 15:58. Your portion is eternal glory. And you that are so loath now to close in with Jesus Christ and to leave your sins to follow Him, your day is coming. Psalm 37:13. In which you shall know that your sweet morsels of sin that you so easily take down, Job 20, verses 12, 13, and 14, and it scarce troubles you, you will have a time so to work within you to your eternal ruin that you will be in a worse condition than if you had ten thousand devils tormenting you. Nay, you had better have been plucked limb from limb a thousand times, if it could be, than to be partakers of this torment which you will assuredly, without mercy, have lain upon you. Chapter 9, page 58 And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Verse 26 These words are still part of the answer that the souls in hell shall have for all the sobbings, sighings, grievous cries, tears and desires that they have to be released out of those intolerable pains they feel and are perplexed with. And only thinks the words at the first view, if rightly considered, are enough to make any hard-hearted sinner in the world to fall down dead. The verse I last spoke about was, and is, a very terrible one, and aggravates the torments of poor sinners wonderfully, where he saith, Remember that thou in thy lifetime hast thy good things, and Lazarus his evil things, etc., I say the words are very terrible to those poor souls that die out of Christ, but these latter words do much more hold out their sorrow. They were spoken as to the present condition of the sinner. These do not only back the former, but
but do yet further aggravate their misery, holding forth that which will be more intolerable. The former verse is enough to smite any sinner into a swoon, but this to make them fall down dead, where he saith, And besides all this, there is something to aggravate thy misery yet far more abundantly. I shall briefly speak to the words as they have relation to the terror spoken of in the verses before. As if he had said, Thou thinkest the present state unsupportable, it makes thee sob and sigh, it makes thee to rue the time that ever thou wert born. Now thou findest the want of mercy, now thou wouldst leap at the least dram of it, now thou feelest what it is to slight the tenders of the grace of God, now it makes thee to sob, sigh and roar exceedingly, for the anguish that thou art in. But besides all this, I have other things to tell thee of that will break thine heart indeed. Thou art now deprived of a being in the world. Thou art deprived of hearing the gospel. The devil hath been too hard for thee, and hath made thee myth of heaven. Thou art now in hell among an innumerable company of devils, and all thy sins beset thee round. Thou art all overwrapped in flames, and canst not have one drop of water to give thee any ease. Thou criest in vain, for nothing will be granted. Thou seest the saints in heaven, which is no small trouble to thy lost soul. Thou seest that neither God nor Christ takes any care to ease thee, or speak any comfort unto thee. But besides all this, there thou art like to lie. Never think of any ease, never look for any comfort. Repentance now will do thee no good. The time is past, and can never be called again. Look, what thou hast now, thou must have for ever. It is true I spoke enough before to break thine heart asunder, but besides all this, there lie and swim in flames forever. These words of Christ, besides all this, are terrible words indeed. I will give you the scope of them in a similitude. Set the case, you should take a man and tie him to a stake, and with red-hot pinchers pinch off his flesh by little pieces, for two or three years together. And at last, when the poor man cries for ease and help, the tormentors answer, Nay, but besides all this, you must be handled much worse. We will serve you thus these twenty years together, and after that we will fill your mangled body full of scalding lead, or run you through with a red-hot spit. Would not this be lamentable? Yet this is but a flea-biting to the sorrow of those that go to hell. For if a man were served so, there would, ere it were long, be an end of him. But he that goes to hell shall suffer ten thousand times worse torments than these, and yet shall never be quite dead under them. There they shall be ever whining, pining, weeping, mourning, ever tormented without ease, and yet never dissolved into nothing. If the biggest devil in hell might pull thee all to pieces, and rend thee as small as dust, and dissolve thee into nothing, thou wouldst count this a mercy. But here thou mayest lie and fry, scorch and broil, and burn forever. Forever, that is a long while, and yet it must be so long. Depart from me, saith Christ, into everlasting fire, into the fire that burns forever, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. O thou that wast loath to follow thy foot, if it were but dirty, or did but rain! Thou that wast loath to come out of the chimney corner, if the wind did but blow a little cold! And wast loath to go half a mile, yea, half a furlong, to hear the word of God, if it were but a little dark! Thou that wast loath to leave a few vain companions to edify thy soul! 
Thou shalt have fire enough, thou shalt have night enough, and evil company far more than enough, if thou miss of Jesus Christ. And besides all this, thou shalt have them for ever and ever. O thou that dost spend whole nights in carding and dicing, in rioting and wantonness, thou that countest it a brave thing to swear as fast as the bravest, to spend with the greatest spendthrift in the country, thou that lovest to sin in a corner when nobody sees thee, O thou that for by-ends dost carry on the hypocrite's profession, because thou wouldst be counted somebody among the children of God, but art an enemy to the things of Christ in thine heart, thou that dost satisfy thyself either with sins or a bare profession of godliness, thy soul will fall into extreme torments and anguish so soon as ever thou dost depart this world. And there thou shalt be weeping and gnashing thy teeth, Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12. And besides all this, thou art never like to have any ease or remedy. Never look for any deliverance. Thou shalt die in thy sins and be tormented as many years as there are stars in the firmament or sands on the seashore. And besides all this, thou must abide it forever. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There is a great gulf fixed. You will say, What is that? It is a nice question. Therefore first seek thou rather to enter in at the straight gate than curiously to inquire what this gulf is. But if thou wouldst needs know, if thou do fall short of heaven, thou wilt find it this, namely, the everlasting decree of God. That is, there is a decree gone forth from God that those who fall short of heaven in this world, God is resolved they shall never enjoy it in the world to come. And thou wilt find this gulf so deep that thou shalt never be able to wade through it as long as eternity lasts. As Christ saith, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. I tell thee, thou shalt in no wise come out thence. There is a gulf, the decree. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, 
from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.